Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership and the Vice President of Innovation for Territory Global. Today, we're continuing our series with a focus on innovation. My guest today is Gianni Cantana. Gianni is the founder and CEO of Digiteki, an inbound marketing service and conversational marketing platform, which helps mid-sized growth companies focus on their business. He is also the host of Smart Chickens, a diversity drives innovation and growth podcast, and he has over 15 years of experience in strategic marketing. Welcome, Gianni. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for having me. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to, to your guests that will be listening to this later. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? I actually had the opportunity a little while back to be on your Smart Chickens podcast, which is an amazing platform. Can you just talk about it just for a moment? Yeah. So um, I've, I've kind of, I do what I think a lot of people try to do, which is they scratch their own niche. So I consume quite a number of niche sort of podcasts. And over the years I've been thinking and, and you know, like a lot of us do like, oh, I think it'd be cool if I tried that out or launched it or what have you. Um, so there's never uh, a perfect time for anything in life, right? Uh, if we think back to when you got married, <laughs> when you had your first child, what have you. So I decided to just take a deep dive, um, got some really good input and in in advice from um, some folks that are in, pot, in the podcast space that I really admire and thought of something that I find near and dear to my heart, which is um, this whole concept of diversity thinking. So much more than skin deep that I've encountered in my journey in both corporate as well as in these sort of startup communities. And I think it's, uh, a, it's timely in a, in a way to have that discussion, right, to change the narrative and to elevate and get the voice of other folks that have interesting origin stories. I'm a firm believer that, you know, that where we come from shapes who we become uh, both in life and in our career. And so that's what I'm trying to do with, with Smart Chickens and that diversity podcast. Hopefully, I have some more future episodes that are in the pipeline. Uh, one that's going to be very, very, um, very much focused on what I'm going to be discussing today a little bit with you around marketing automation and how the landscape of Mark slash sales tech has changed or evolved and is evolving. And uh, that gentleman is Scott Brinker. He's the, the VP of HubSpot's platforms ecosystem, if you will. So th this gentleman knows a thing or two about marketing slash sales automation. I love that. And so we will actually link to not only our podcast episode that we had together, but we'll also link to your podcast in our show notes. So please, after you check out this episode, go check out Gianni's podcast called Smart Chickens. So I want to talk today about innovation in the space of marketing automation. So in a nutshell, can you tell us what marketing automation is? And then where do you see innovation actually taking place in this space? Yeah, sure. So I sort of uh, mentioned HubSpot a few minutes ago, right? And I would say that marketing automation really started in a, in a, in a true sense of the word, especially for, for those you know, folks that are listening that are on B2B, with uh, the juggernaut uh, HubSpot, right? Since HubSpot, now almost like 15 plus years ago, there's been a lot of change, right? And um, the gentleman, Scott Brinker, that I mentioned, he's also um, heads a, a website portal community called MarTech. And that talks about all the type of marketing and technology stack that has changed and evolved. And it's funny, he always puts out a post almost every year, uh, beginning of the year, that shows this ginormous kind of collage of logos, right? So MarTech circa, 
you know, 15 years ago in the early 2000s uh, was maybe a couple hundred, whereas now it's, you know, over, you know, 30,000 or so kind of companies that have built out their software platforms around marketing and sales automation. But in a nutshell, what it is, is technologies come in, cloud computing has come in in such a strong way to shape the way marketing organizations and sales organizations within a business can leverage these technologies, right? So it's about reducing all the friction that's on the buyer side, but also internally optimizing simple things as email communications that when email, you and I are, uh, well, you know, I won't, I won't date you. I'm sorry, but I'll date myself. I'm in the fourth <laughs> floor in my forties. So I remember when email actually, even before that, even sort of like when email slash fax was like, wow, these are great technologies that we have at our disposal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, marketing automation has been on this um, trajectory for, you know, almost 20 years now and it's exponentially growing. Right. So, if you look at just even four years ago, four years back, I also work with uh, Drift. Drift is a conversational marketing slash revenue acceleration platform. And to get all the buzzwords out, to be honest, what they all are, what I see the common thread is they're all looking for a way to align sales and marketing activities better through technology. That's it. How do you how do you get your marketing and sales team, which are all typically rowing in the same direction through technology to, to make it quicker, to optimize it, to close down on sales velocity, right? And I think that that's the, the big takeaway for anyone that's thinking about how to, you know, transition into a more marketing tech friendly, you know, kind of environment within the organization to scale it. It's really thinking, okay, where are my gaps you know, what is my budget? What is my sales size and team? What are my expectations? You know this pretty well because of your consulting work and you've been in big companies mm-hmm. that have used technology to leverage sales, right? And marketing. Yeah. There's that, you know, sort of 80-20 rule. Sometimes, you know, you're going to get 80% of the, the value of that technology by only using 20% of it, right? So there's sometimes too much tech and features and functionality within these software platforms that quite honestly is overwhelming. And that's where consultancies like myself come in, where we've we've implemented enough of these. We've seen a thing or two. So over time, with even marketing automation platforms from the HubSpots, the Drifts of the World, there's so many of them out there now, Outreach, ActiveCampaign, they all tend to have a bit of a niche, right? But they all try to solve that problem. And that problem is how are we going to, you know, help align marketing and sales activity to increase velocity and increase the pipeline for our our business, right? So um, it's it's been interesting to watch a change over the years. Um, And I know you've witnessed it too with with companies you've worked for. What what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen, you know, marketing automation, machine learning. There's so many things that have come to play, I think, that have helped us level up the game of marketing automation. And I think that, you know, artificial intelligence is such a big buzzword right now. And then account-based marketing. So making sure we're we're even targeting things correctly and and understand who we're talking to and, and putting the right message in front of them. And I think there's a lot of brilliant things that have happened in, in marketing automation. But I guess my question for you would be, it's a lot for someone that 
doesn't really understand the space or is in the space kind of as a small business, but may not know how to approach it. And so I'm wondering, since you know you you run a consultancy that does this, if someone comes to you and says, "Okay, Gianni, I've heard the word marketing automation." <laughs> How do I think about this strategically? Like, what are the building blocks that a small business or a medium-sized business needs to think about as they launch in towards marketing automation? And what are some things they need to ignore? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, first, I guess, you know, if I backpedal a little bit, you know, marketing automation, uh, like all software and tools, they're made for, for certain size companies, right? So I would never steer a small business that doesn't already have a bit of a mature sales team to think about marketing automation because it could be one, overwhelming, two, out of maybe their budget and costs and might might not make sense, right? So what I typically do and work with is with companies that are mid-sized and growing. So they're sort of like mid-market and, you know, getting maybe some um, VC money to their company or they've just experienced growth or experiencing growth. And so now because of that growth, as you know, there's the growing pains of having to scale a business. And when you're scaling a business, you need to think about processes and, and automation. And that's where we would come in and help. And uh, we're vendor agnostic. There's some that we work more with, but sort of that list that I would say for, let's say, let's say you're the VP of sales and also a marketing VP that is now come across the company's doing well financially and they've got, you know, a D series, you know, investment and injection of XYZ million uh, to grow the the company. So chances are that that's going to increase their sales capacity. So they're going to have more sales folks and therefore they're going to do, have to do more with marketing to help get the right type of quality leads and accounts for those sales folks, right? So the checklist should always be kind of working backwards. The way to um, kind of have a better sense of what you need and how much of it is to do that reverse engineering, knowing what you're going to have in terms of your sales team size, knowing what you're going to have as a goal that's being planned for the next year, two years, or what have you, and then going backwards. That'll give you a better sense of where your budget should be spent and to what tools, right? Because many of these mid-sized companies, for better or worse, they're ingrained with their own tech, maybe if it's proprietary or they're, let's say they're on Salesforce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I've noticed is that it's that change, right? It's going from, let's say a Salesforce Pardot to now they want to get a little more niche and use Salesforce without reach or Salesforce with gong.io or Salesforce with Drift, what have you. So it's really comes down to understanding the goal, the goal that your sales team has and their sales ops, because that's a big part of it as well as what is your marketing team currently have or lack thereof on the marketing demand gen side, right? And I think that that's where the consultancy, like I like to call it, comes in because you really kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of put your, yourself in the shoes of both the, the sales leader and the VP of marketing or the marketing leader to kind of understand where, where they need um, to fill that gap and where do they need to focus their budget, their energy, their brain share, what have you. So the checklist should be that work backwards. It's very healthy to actually have two, three vendors. Yeah. You know, most of these decisions, as you know, because you, you do consulting for big companies are decision by committee. They could be 60, you know, 60 to 90 to 120 day uh, type engagements even, right. To flip the switch and, and, and do an implementation is, is, is a nice, uh, you know, wishful thinking, as you know, it's, it's usually a process of phase implementations. And even before that, really, you know, having those really 
insightful conversations that uncover what the real goal is to be able to get the right marketing tech stack calibrated, let's say, for that organization at that particular time, because it could change. There's a lot of moving parts, I should say, but it all should start with that backwards reverse engineering and having those strategic conversations with the stakeholders that are that have most at stake, which is always going to be your sales and marketing team leaders to go through that and have those conversations. Yeah. You know, there's this book, I don't know if we've ever talked about this book before, but it's called From Impossible to Inevitable. It's by Aaron Ross and Jason Limkin. And it talks about how SaaS and other hyper growth companies create predictable revenue. You know, it's interesting when I'm listening to you talk, one of the things it talks about in the book is like the most important thing for marketing automation is being able to create predictable results and predictable revenue. I think personally, that's part of the reason why one, because you're getting too large to do it in an automated, you know, without it being automated. But two, I think it's this idea that as an organization, as a sales organization and a marketing organization, you guys are tied at the hip with this idea of how to make predictable results happen for an organization. And so this is, in my opinion, one of the ways that you can do that. So in the past, I've used Salesforce and then we have used Outreach and also Sales Loft. But these things just being able to predictably have a cadence to engage people to be able to change behavior if they are, you know, <laughs> if their behavior changes. So I send you a different message if you click on my site mm-hmm. versus if you do not. I send you a different message if, um, you know, if I see you engage or read a case study. And and to your point, HubSpot's really good at this. Um, not only are they good at eating their own dog food, mm-hmm. so when you hit their site, they do it to yep. you. Um, but but they're really good at at setting up this cadence. And so when I think marketing automation and innovation, I'm thinking not innovation for innovation's sake, but innovation for predictable revenue and predictable results. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you can hit the nail on the head. So, you know, HubSpot was obviously one of the true marketing automation slash sales because they're also, they are an all-in-one. They have sales, they have customer support. They've grown into that, right? But I would say that, the the next generation that I've seen come through a lot over the last five years, let's say, have been leveraging machine learning AI. So when you think of outreach, they use AI. When you think of gong.io, they're using AI to kind of monitor what, what sales folks are talking about, right? Their sales team, what they're actually saying. And that's all being now fed into a marketing automation process to try to better you know, engage and communicate with those ideal customer profiles, right? So the days of uh, just Mm -hmm. buyer personas and, you know, doing uh, drip marketing, those are sort of fading away, in my opinion. And I think that's why a lot of these niche players, um, you know, I'm going to go a little bit into into marketing automation has married category design over the last five years. There's Mm -hmm. been this marriage of that. So what I've seen is that the market is, open to and looking for sort of these niche players that can help them solve something of a playbook that they may be deficient in, right? And that's where you're getting the outreach that are coming in or the gong.io's that are coming in or drifts because it's it's more niche. They're getting into how can we provide almost like a, not just one-to-many, but a one-to-one type of engagement. Mm -hmm. And as our marketing tech and automation has evolved, so has our buyers and the way they, they have a buyer journey, right? And their expectations. 
So when you think about those folks that are in the decision-making committees, you know, for the most part, they've already gone out and explored on their own and have their, you know, gotten their own demos for maybe their top three, top five solution providers on, on any of these marketing tech solutions. And they already have a fairly good idea of what they need. Where I see the gap is too often they know what they need. They even have the budget for it, but then it's the implementation. It's having internally the, enough resources for that because as you know, bigger companies, you know, bigger quotas to meet. Many folks are so worried in organizations about how much they're making today that they forget about innovating for the future. I go back to the implementation. I think that's where things fall through the cracks, right? Part of what I like about coming in as a consultant, to be honest with you, is that I have a different type of skin in the game. Mm -hmm. So when you have your own internal team, they're sometimes stretched, right? So they're stretched to meet in marketing or sales those goals for that quarter immediately. So an implementation becomes something they have to do, not something they want to do. So it's sort of this this vicious cycle of, you know, you're investing in a, a solution, but now you can't sometimes invest the right amount of time and energy and brain share on it because you're having to do everything else, right? Yeah. So I think this is when, if you bring in someone that comes in in a consulting capacity, just like what your team does, it helps to, to kind of separate that, I think that anxiety that internal teams have over implementations, right? It, it smooths it out a little bit. It also adds to different perspective. And so getting a consulting uh, coming in or a consultancy type of perspective or eyes or the kind of frame of mind they're, they're, they, they may be coming in with, I think adds to an implementation, right? Because they've seen it in other companies. They might be taken from another industry where they, they, they feel that, oh, this, this could work here if we tweak this sort of playbook a little bit for them. Um, and that I don't think you often get going back to, to that whole innovation and diversity, when you're in an organization and you're breathing day in, day out, sort of the mantra, who, who, you know, who they're targeting and how they're targeting and what channels they're using and how to leverage marketing automation with that. So does that make sense a bit? It does. So I'm curious, what types of metrics should people care about and what types of metrics are vanity when we're thinking about marketing automation? Yeah, I mean, that's a wonderful question because everyone has that in their mind, especially their VP of sales, the CFO, right? Who's like, we paid how much for these licenses, right? <laughs> What's our ROI? So what I would say is that definitely on that reverse engineering, and this is what I've done with my clients. So first thing is let's reverse engineer the numbers, right? And then we kind of set up a roadmap of phases, sort of almost like you're creating a bit of an internal, like almost like for, for these companies that have to create roadmaps, and they have sprints, it's the same way. So you'll have phases of when you expect to get the type of return and engagement. So you can look at pipeline. Mm -hmm. What I like to say is that any of these marketing animation tools have to impact pipeline, which means it impacts revenue. So you should have a revenue number attached to it. That means not just MQLs, but actually sales qualified leads that can be attributed back to these platforms because of the programs, campaigns that they're part of. So there's all this very, you know, pragmatic, formulaic, numeric, whatever you want to call it, numbers that are real and that most organizations already have pretty well established. But again, the hard work is to even get to those numbers, how are you implementing? If you're seeing the numbers are not working for a certain playbook or campaign that you're leveraging your marketing animation, then you switch it up. You go to something else. You got to iterate, you know. 
Uh, success only happens with a lot of failure. And marketing automation is not a silver bullet. Towards the end of the year, and you've been in these meetings, I love to be in these meetings as well, where it's end of the year, everyone's looking at the numbers, where we have a gap or where, we're, where we need to kind of push the, the green go button and, and double down on. Um, and, and these meetings often, oftentimes are about like, and to your point about just how are we getting to that number? What's the revenue? What's the revenue we're going to be able to hit? Right. Right. And oftentimes marketing is asked to kind of pull some Hail Marys, you know, what are, <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, what are some of these crazy end of the year campaigns, uh, you know, marketing leaders yep. that we can come up with to win sales. And what I always like to say yep. is that, uh, you know, you can't expect marketers to be wizards, just like you can't expect every salesperson to be a rainmaker. So the truth is that that mm-hmm. silver bullet or magic doesn't happen overnight. That should have been happening from, you know, Q1 day one. So you really got to think, how have we been incrementally doing both marketing and sales strategies towards hitting our goals and beating our competition and differentiating ourselves, yada, yada, yada? Throughout the year, mm-hmm. if you wait to do everything on Q4, you've already lost. Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to leave our listeners with this thought. It's an excerpt actually from this book I was telling you about, Impossible to Inevitable. It says, faster revenue growth isn't a magical solution. That's exactly what you were saying earlier, Johnny, <laughs> to all your problems. It's actually creating more problems than it solves because it exposes your weaknesses, like having the wrong team, wrong sales structure or wrong niche, which you must deal with before the extra growth can happen and be sustained. And so, again, I think we're looking for predictable, sustainable growth. And it's like you said, if you're not getting that predictable, sustainable growth along the journey, then trying to throw out that Hail Mary at the last moment is not going to create the value that you're really looking for because we have to crank through that value all year long, not just panic and then try to make it happen. So Gianni, how can our listeners find you? Sure. Great. Yeah. They can uh, find me at Gianni Quintana on LinkedIn, Digitechie as well. They can go to the site, digitechie.com. And uh, on digitechie.com, there's the podcast page where they could also check out some of the episodes, even yours for sure, that's there um, to, to get a better idea of, of what, you know, what our guests have talked about. But yeah, the website and LinkedIn are the best ways to, to contact me. Perfect. Well, thank you for your time today, Gianni. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, let's get the word out by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this episode on your social media platforms. And remember, don't just get out of the box. Break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership and visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.